All right, so I have a clicker. Now it's on. The Unshakable Christian. So that's our topic this morning. And I want to just make a comment here about the Christian part. Uh, we heard from Brian about all these people in the surveys who they would claim the name Christian. Um, they would profess to a lot of the doctrines, but they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They've never been born again of the Spirit. Uh, they're still in the realm of darkness. They have not been brought into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Lord Jesus Christ. Um, these are not the people I'm speaking of in this message. I'm speaking of people who know the Lord Jesus Christ, who love him, know his love for them. And uh, the unshakable part is, as we'll, uh, you'll see very quickly, we're going to talk a lot about shakings. Um, shake, the unshakable part isn't that we don't get shaken, it's that we are not toppled over. Our faith is not destroyed. We stay the course. We look steadfastly to the Lord Jesus uh, with an unwavering faith and unmoved from the hope that is held out to us in the gospel and trusting God and in, in short, yes, trusting God. So that being said, <clears throat> we're going to look at three things that one, there is a shaking uh, to the purpose of the shaking and three, our response to the shaking. And that's the extent of my outline. There's more to fill in there. And I'm sure my fifth grade grammar teacher would be very disappointed that I'm not going to give you much more than that. And you'll see those same single points as we go along here. So there is a shaking. Um, what I mean by that is that in life, we face all kinds of things, uh, given different names, trials, troubles, persecutions, sufferings, hardships, and even discipline, I believe we can put in this category. Um, and a lot of this, a lot of these things are because we live in a fallen world. Bad stuff happens. Uh, obviously, you know what bad stuff is like. Sickness, disease, mental health problems, broken relationships, abuse, injustice, economic upheaval, natural disasters, famines, wars, and ultimately the, the final uh, challenge, death. So these are things that shake us, they try us, they try our faith. Um, thinking about broken relationships, the, the relationships that we have with our spouse or our children, or our parents, uh, dear friends, fellow believers, right here, people in our own assembly, um, the things that we hold the most dear, the things that we count on and rely upon for normalcy and stability, when these things go off the rails, this is something that shakes us a whole lot. And we also face um, the consequences of our own faults and failures and our own sins, and these things shake us as we deal with those consequences and as we deal with uh, the disappointments that come with our own humanity, our own failures. 
And not only that, but we as Christians, we also have enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. All of these things shake us. And you know what? God doesn't view this shaking as a bad thing. And I've heard a lot of believers over the years, and particularly young believers, uh, looking at these struggles, particularly the, the struggles with the world, the flesh, and the devil, and say, you know, why didn't God just take us out of the, why didn't he just save us and take us right out of this world? And, and instead of having to go through all this pain and difficulty and all these struggles, well, you know what? God doesn't look at it that way. He has a purpose in our suffering and in our trials. Have you ever been to a Christmas tree farm? We used to get our tree from Ikea. You know, it was easy. You just go pick the one that all wrapped up, looked pretty nice, looked like it was going to be on nice when you finally broke all those bands and it went boing. Uh, but last couple of years, we haven't been able to do that. We went to a Christmas tree farm. And uh, so you go out there and you, you pick the one that looks the best. And if you're five or six or seven people like we often are, it's kind of challenging. But we finally figured one out. And we were committed once we put that saw to the, to the, to the base there. And uh, then you take it, throw it on the wagon, you take it over, and you throw it in the chipper. Is that right? You throw it in the chipper? No, you don't throw it in the chipper. You throw it on the shaker. And that shaker, man, that, that bad boy does some business there. I always wonder, you know, what, what if I were to stand on that? What would happen? My teeth would probably fall out like within first 10 seconds. This thing's going. And what's it doing? It's taking that tree that you thought looked pretty good, and it's, it's taking off all those dead needles, those brown ones on there. So it's making that good-looking tree look even better. And I think that's a fairly good uh, illustration of, of how the Lord sees the trials and the challenges and the difficulties that we face in our lives. He means them for a purpose, um, and we'll look at some of those purposes in just a moment. Um, but God doesn't throw us through the chipper. He's not out to destroy our faith. He's out to prove our faith and to show it as genuine. Um, so that first point, there is a shaking. I'm not telling anybody here anything new that you will go through difficulties. But maybe as, as believers, we need to be reminded of that. And God indeed tells us in advance in his word that there will be difficulties. He doesn't want us to be blindsided by the difficulties of life. It's extremely important. The Lord Jesus said that in the world we would have troubles no, if I, I'm not quite sure if I, where am I pointing this thing? In this world, you have, will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Uh, a warning there and also a tremendous promise that he's overcome the world. First uh, Peter 4.12, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery trial you are suffering as though some strange thing were happening to you. Sorry, next slide. Uh, Acts chapter 4, Paul on his missionary journey, he's just gone through these cities, Lystra, Derby, Iconium, and he's preached the gospel, and now he's re returning, he's going back through them, and he goes and encourages them to remain true to the faith, 
And he says to them, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. It's just the way it's going to be. We're going to face hardships. And and Philippians, he also says, uh, Paul says to the Philippians, for it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for him. So it's not strange, it's abnormal, but to be forewarned is to be forearmed, and we can work at our faith and our relationship with the Lord uh, that we would be prepared for these things. So the purpose of the shaking, who here would like to be mature and complete, not lacking anything? Yeah, amen, I'm all for that, mature and complete. Not lacking anything, that's not, uh, by the way, the, uh, well, we'll just look at that verse there in James chapter 1. We'll read that. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be um, sorry, mature and complete, not lacking anything. Not lacking anything is not what the prosperity gospel preachers are preaching, that you're going to have you know, every hot tub and uh, Corvette in your parking lot or whatever. But um, spiritually speaking, God has given us everything that we need, and, and he is bringing that out and teaching us what that looks like as we go through trials. Um, Hebrews chapter 10, or 12, sorry, tells us that our fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So again, we, we're seeing in this verse great things that the Lord is doing um, as a result of these shakings as we go through these trials of life. First Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 7. Well, I've got just a portion of it up there. Let me just uh, turn there quickly, and I'll read that. Um, we're, you're going to get a dose of this on Tuesday night if you are out to the Bible study. Uh, so I'm looking forward to what Keith brings forward on some of these verses, and we did actually look at uh, a portion of this last week as well. But uh, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verses 3 to 7, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So again, some, some things that we're looking at there, that your faith may be proved genuine. These trials come. The Lord allows them into our lives that our faith might be proved to be real. And the result of this genuine faith is praise, glory, and honor when Jesus comes. 
And I believe that speaking, and I believe, I'm, I'm sure Keith will probably hit on this on, on Tuesday night, but I believe that's speaking of praise, glory, and honor. That's the commendation of God to us when, by his grace, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. So we're looking at the commendation of God. And another purpose in the trials is that we might comfort others. And uh, sorry, I'm looking for Second Corinthians there. There we go. I don't know if that's you, or you Glenn, or me, but if it's you, great. Thank you. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 to 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So we see in trials that it is, a, it's in a sense, an equipping. God is equipping you to be able to minister to other people with the grace that he has shown you and the comfort that he's given you, that you can share that with other believers who are going through a similar struggle. And, <clears throat> sorry, sec, uh, yes, Second Corinthians 1, 8 through 11. We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened that we might rely on God. Uh, pardon, pardon me, we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. So God, in the midst of our difficulties, is teaching us reliance upon him. And Honestly, the beauty of the Christian life to me is that that's what God wants. He wants me to rest in him. He wants me to cast all of my burdens on him. He wants me to take all of my sorrows to him. He wants to comfort me. And he wants me to let him do that. And uh, so that's, again, part of the, um, his purposes in the trials that we face. Okay, moving on to our response to the shaking. The first thing I would say here is uh, that we be honest, be honest with God, be honest with yourself, be honest with others that we are facing. If you are facing a trial or difficulty of some sort, you're not gonna pretend that it doesn't exist. We read in 1 Peter uh, 1, 6 there that, um, in this, you greatly rejoice, though for, for now, for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Peter doesn't say, oh, well, that's nothing, don't worry about that. He doesn't just gloss over that. He said, you may have had to suffer grief. You've actually suffered grief because of these trials. Uh, the pain is real. Um, we read in Psalm 69, verse 20. Let's see if I got that up there. Yep. The psalmist writes, Scorn has broken my heart and left me helpless. I looked for sympathy, but there was none. 
for comforters, but I found none. As human beings, God has made us to be emotional beings. Um, so the idea of being unshakable is not that you don't feel sadness, you don't experience grief and loss and hurt and pain. That's not it. These things are natural. And as one part of our one anothering, we do sympathize with one another. We relate with each other. We, we mourn with those who mourn, as the scripture tells us. And um, I'll just throw this in there. You may have heard the expression toxic positivity, this idea that just, you know, somebody's pouring out their heart for you and you just say, oh, trust God, brother, everything will be okay. You know, put a happy face on it. Well, I think we could learn a lot of wisdom from Job's friends, even though I had some other things wrong. The first seven days, they killed it. They just sat there and mourned with Job for seven days. And so we should be doing, we should be doing that with one another. So pain is real. Uh, we are emotional beings. We see all kinds of examples of that in the scripture. We see Paul in Romans 9 saying he had great sorrow and unceasing anguish. Wow, those are strong words. Great sorrow and unceasing anguish for his fellow Israelites who didn't know the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he writes to the Corinthians that he, he, he says, I wrote to you out of much trouble and anguish of heart and with many tears. So troubles are real, uh, both your own and other people's. Be honest, be sympathetic and empathetic with each other. So uh, looking at another response to the trials that come our way, uh, the response of failing to trust God. We, we, read, we sang some of these words in those opening hymns. Uh, the idea that God brings difficulty or allows difficulty into our lives and we, we, just, we just don't do with that what we should do with that. We don't cast our burden on the Lord. We, we shoulder through it ourselves. We, we, we try to make our own way when God wants it to be used to draw us closer to him. Um, yeah, could say a lot more there, but I'm not gonna. Or another possibility, 1 John 2.19 talks about people who actually utterly abandon the faith, says, but this is key, they went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us but their going out showed that none of them belonged to us. So the reality that some who claim to be Christians, for whatever reason, they walk away. Um, according to John and First John, they never really knew the Lord. They were not true believers. Okay, and our heading to the wrap up here, what should our right response be in the midst of troubles? Um, again, we've sung about it. We've read verses about it already. Our response should be that of placing our trust in God, coming to him as our helper, as our strength, as our comforter, as our Lord, 
And I think that's what unshakable looks like. The psalmist in Psalm 62, verses 5 and 6, says, Find rest, O my soul, in God alone. My hope comes from him. He alone is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. And then if you look at the next part of that, that the ending of that psalm, he says this, One thing God has spoken, two things have I heard, that you, O God, are strong and that you, O Lord, are loving. So in the midst of the struggles that he's going through, David, the psalmist, is hanging on to these two pillars. God's strength and God's love. He's hanging on to those two things. God is strong enough to protect him uh, in the midst of his struggles, and he's strong enough to deal with his enemies. And God loves him. He's not unsympathetic to his troubles. He does care, and he will deal uh, with David according to his love. And so, to me, this is key. When I face difficulties or trials, I can hang on to those same two pillars. God is all-powerful, and nothing is too difficult for him. He can, he can arrange the situation. He can take care of things, and he loves me. It's fine if he's all-powerful and he doesn't love me. That does nothing for me in terms of my comfort and my emotional security. But he is all-powerful, and he loves me. So there's other uh, pillars that we can think about. And one I often go back to is God's sovereignty. In the midst of my difficulties and trials, God is ultimately in control of these things. He knows what's going on in my life. He knows what's going on in the lives of people around me. And he's perfectly in control of all of it. I like uh, Psalm 115, verse 3 which says, our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. I'm smiling because I'm thinking about that. As a believer, that's, that's tremendously encouraging. Um, as an unbeliever, I don't think that would be very encouraging to think about this God up there just doing whatever he pleases. But, you know, he's, uh, in my life, he does knowing that he does whatever he pleases if 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 i submit myself to his lordship this reality alone makes everything okay it makes every trial of life bearable it makes me unshakable god is sovereign He's working everything out according to his will. It's going to be okay. He's in control. And as I submit to him as the Lord of my life, I find a place of rest that he has for me in these trials and struggles.
Let's just read a few more verses uh, without comment, but that will hopefully bless your hearts regarding um, to our response and realities of these things we're talking about. Second Corinthians 4, 7 and 9, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. In the next verses, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. I hope you didn't miss those words. I delight in these things because they, they, they're, they're all showing my weakness, and when I'm weak, I'm strong, because God is at work. Romans 8.18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. And the next verses in 2 Corinthians 4.16 and following, therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. What is seen can be shaken. What is unseen is eternal, the living God. And lastly, we'll close with this verse. James says, of all things, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are unshakable. You are a solid rock. And that all that is around us can be shaken and moved, and yet you stand firm and faithful, and you love us with an everlasting love. Oh Lord, thank you for your encouragement and your word. God, we long to know you more, to realize more and more all that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ and the hope that you have given us, the salvation that you have won for us. Lord, be glorified. You are worthy, and we praise you and thank you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, amen. You are dismissed.